Hey guys, I'm Jackie Brubaker, host and author of That Girl, the Podcast, where each week we talk about the coming of age at any age. That Girl, the Podcast is based on That Girl, the Novel, which is on Amazon to download, listen to, or buy the paperback of. You can also follow us on Instagram at That Girl, the Podcast and our Patreon page. All right, guys, welcome. This is your mic. You get to speak into it. I oh, hello. Speak in- hello. See, there we are. There's our face and our sound. Um, welcome to the That Girl, the podcast, episode two, chapter two. I'm with my good friend, Stephanie Humatu. Hi. She is a hairstylist extraordinaire. <laughs> she knows a lot about things. <laughs> <laughs> and we're just going to talk about the chapter, but we're also just going to talk about life. So, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I love this. I know. I'm so excited that you're here. Stephanie and I did some work together on her amazing program. She has two incredible personal power programs. One is called Hairdress Success, and it's actually for hairdressers to... You know what? Actually, you pitch it. Oh, well, (laughs) Hairdress Success is a business acceleration course for hairdressers who are wanting to grow and build their business. And then the second course is Personal Power, which is uh, for anyone looking to elevate their life and their vibration and lean into the best version of themselves. And it's amazing. I worked with her on these videos, and I was just like, this is gold. Like, this is Aww. just so, so good. No, I'm just being honest. <laughs> I really am. Um, so let's just dive into chapter two. Sure. Tell me your thoughts and well, we'll start there. First, I know we're going to talk about chapter two, but I have to say chapter one was so juicy <laughs> and I loved it and I was so excited. Um, and chapter two, I also super loved, but I can tell I, I purposely didn't like listen ahead because I don't want to jump ahead before our episode, but I'm so excited to finish the rest of the story because I can tell it's going to be full of juice (laughs) and like real juice because we've worked in entertainment and so some of the stuff that you're referring to, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's totally how it is. (laughs) It is. It is. Chapter one is so raw. Chapter two gets a little bit more into the music industry. So chapter two starts with the lead going to see a band and she's mentioned this drummer that she hooked up kind of with like the night before and she's going to go meet her friend Ryan who is a very important music manager and they've been friends for a long time so actually let's just start there so Ryan will become a very big character in this book (laughs) so what were your kind of feelings about Ryan and well, Everything. okay, so I got the, the friend vibes, maybe a little bit friend-zoned vibes. I know they had touched on the fact that they had dated in the past, but that it felt very sibling-ish. Definitely. So I can't really tell, like, if there's going to be major chemistry be- between them or if they just have, like, a really good friendship. Um, but I do feel, well, she was kind of vibing the drummer in the, in the I chapter. I mean, what girl isn't vibing the drummer? Always the drummer. It is all, I've Always dated so many drummer. drummers. Yeah, I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's the hair. It's the swinging hair. I, yeah. I give the drummer the swinging hair. And, and the swag. And, you know, and they're the, kind of like mysterious. Like they don't necessarily always like, they're not like in the forefront of the true, band. It's true, they are you know? mysterious. They're mysterious. Yeah, yeah, they're very cool just playing the drums in the back. And you're yeah. like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> so it totally brought me back to the Roxy days and going and vibing the drummers and all of that (laughs) oh gosh the Roxy yeah like I just yeah like what I said in the book like going to the Roxy just felt so grimy and dirty and like 
old. And I'm like, this is a legendary place, but it just felt kind of gross. And I'm like, oh. Well, that makes you like look back in hindsight. Was the Roxy always that grimy, even when we were in high school? Or I don't know. is it like through adult eyes, you're like, hmm, this is a little grimy. <laughs> Well, I never went during high school because oh. I was like a theater nerd, so I never did anything cool. Yeah. I waited till my 20s to do all of the stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Clearly, I wish I could say the same. <laughs> no, I know. Actually, we went to school kind of close to each other and both had a show choir background. That's um, right. We were competitors. We were competitors. Our, our show choirs were like... Yeah, we had like the same choreographer, same choreographer so it was like, how could you give give them that and then give us this? I know we totally always felt like our choreographer gave you guys the they best did. choreography. They did. That's why we won. We were everything. totally rooting for you guys to win. I was gonna like call out to my show choir, um, Powerhouse from Burroughs High School in Burbank, California, the one that wins everything. Heartbreakers all the way. Sure. Anyway, Heartbreaker um, forever. Powerhouse and sound vibes. I was not good enough for sound vibes, but. Sound vibes love you too. <laughs> can you can you believe that these nerds became <laughs> became the cool cats? That really we are. cool people. We became to really cool so people. Cool. <laughs> I think you should always befriend the nerds <laughs> in high school. I don't even. Where were you in high school? Because I don't remember. Uh, well, high school was a very interesting journey for me. Uh, but yeah. um, I don't even know if I was cool or if I wasn't or if I was like my own orbit. Yeah. <laughs> person. I feel what like we were samesies in that department because mm. I was not uncool, but I wasn't necessarily hanging out in the quad with like the cool kids. I was kind of friendly with everybody, but I had my own like core group of people that I hung out with. Yeah. Um, some were in show choir and some were not. And we've pretty much stayed friends over the years. So right. <laughs> I know I'm actually friends with a few girls that I, you know, went to school with. One of Beck's is going to be on the show oh. soon, and I haven't seen her since high school. And I was like on Facebook, I'm like, "Would you like to do a podcast?" Serious? <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, I just I just um, confirmed her today, so I'm like, "Wow, this is going to be an interesting catch up." Something years later, <laughs> <laughs> like five years later. Like five years right. later, I'm mm. only 22. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I'm still living. Oh yeah, my 20s. we're on a show. We're on a show. So. Um, <laughs> Cool. So, okay. So going back to Ryan, that was a big tangent. Um, oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> actually, let's not. No, no, no. That wasn't your fault. Let's go into how did you suddenly feel over your 20s? So, like, we get out of high school. Uh, we do all the crazy stuff in our 20s, which you can totally talk yeah, about, and I will uh, totally talk about, uh, yeah. <laughs> and you're just going to read about. Um, but, yeah, like, when did you start feeling like, I'm sort of over this? I would say around 30, I had my first daughter when I was 29 and a half so I feel like like, I can no time yeah so like my 30th birthday I remember was at the standard like rooftop downtown situation and it it was great but it was like that moment where you're like I'm old (laughs) like (laughs) I am no longer like I don't know I just felt very uh hmm, out of place a little bit like uh, I'm not Mm. as cool as I used to be (laughs) maybe I was never that cool but I know. I, I like, all right, so this is how I felt forever. Um, I felt like somehow I always ended up with the cool people, and I was really confused how I got there. Like, I would be at some cool party or some cool gig or, or hotel, really, just so many different hotel rooftops is basically right. where I feel like <laughs> I spent most of my 20s, that or, like, a bar. And I was like, 
how did I end up with like these people? And they're right. not bad, but I was like, I don't know how I got here. And I only feel like maybe I got there because I was nice and they're like, you're kind of cool. Like, as in like, you're just a nice person. I don't know. I didn't feel that cool. Well, you are <laughs> cool and you're nice and you're talented and This you're was not a fishing kind of thing. And, well, no, but seriously, you don't give yourself enough credit. I mean, you have she a lot She is my life coach, actually. <laughs> <laughs> not true. I feel like we life she coach is. each other. We do life coach <laughs> each other, actually. We have these epic long phone calls. Like every few days, just like be like, <laughs> like, hey, <laughs> it's eight o'clock in the morning. We're both awake. Um, let's talk about the life. Like, let's talk about the universe, really. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's talk about all the things. <laughs> right. But so, so did you ever feel like you started getting cool at like a certain age? I think in my early 20s, um, I think high school is when most of us, I certainly felt super insecure, always felt like I, you know, wasn't pretty enough or wasn't cool enough or whatever. But then after high school, I feel like everything shifted and all of a sudden everyone liked me and guys liked me and guys really like her. (laughs) Let me just say this real quick. So we're talking on the phone and she's like in the car talking to me and she's like, ugh. Do you ever have a guy just like, what did he do? Did he kiss you face? They you? like kiss you on the freeway. They're like, yeah. and you're like, ugh, like I feel violated right now. Right. So <laughs> she's like, ugh, don't you hate that? I'm like, I've never had that happen I'm, in my life. Looking. She's just not looking. No, <laughs> no, I've just never had that happen. So no, guys love you. It's like, but this is what you said to me and it's very true. She just, you radiate this like power and Aww. happiness and beauty and it's like, <laughs> gravitational force, you know, pull towards that. So, yeah. Oh, thanks. You know, I'm just now coming into my gravitational pull. <laughs> yeah, well, you're pretty awesome. So, I just come over here so she can give me all the compliments. Because... And then I can just give them back. We're <laughs> really good at this. Um, anyway, okay, so, so Ryan? <laughs> let's go back to Ryan. Yeah, let's talk about Ryan. Okay. Um. Yeah, like feelings. So, did you... Hmm, did you ever have a boy? <laughs> I already know the answer to this. Did you ever have a guy that you were really close with and you're like, we should date? And then maybe you did try dating or you didn't, but there was like something missing there. Sure. All right. There there <laughs> may have been a mic. <laughs> there There's may. always a mic. It's always a Michael. Um, I hope by this point of the episode, my husband has stopped watching. So, and if Probably. not, I'm very sorry. I love you. It was a long time uh, ago. It was now. a long time ago. Yeah. And, you know, it was. Maybe some things happened, and uh, it just Barely. wasn't. It just wasn't meant to be. We were best friends for years. Uh, we hung out for years. I feel like, you know, he was just—he was a good guy. Like nothing against him. They're but, always really yeah, good guys. Really good guy, yeah. but like you said, they're just that thing wasn't there. Like if it was gonna happen, it would have happened earlier on in our friendship. But can I tell you something amazing? My dad said to me yesterday. Yes. So, my dad. I hope you're watching. Um, <laughs> my dad and I were really, really spiritual and we're very similar in a lot of ways. And so I asked him, I asked him, dad, how did you fall in love again without being terrified when he was dating my stepmom? Because he and my stepmom married after 30 days of knowing each other. Wow. They just celebrated their 28th wedding anniversary. They're actually soulmates. My dad referred to her as his twin flame yesterday. It's the first time he's ever said that. I was like, I didn't even know you knew what that was. Yeah, no, I mean, they really are incredible role models. But I asked, 
how did you fall in love again without being terrified? Because once you have been burned many, many times, it is really scary to really like let your heart be vulnerable and let someone hold it in their hands and be like, please don't hurt this. So I asked him and he said in his wise sage voice, really, (laughs) he was like, you need to just stop overthinking, stop over analyzing everything and just listen to what your heart is actually saying because your souls are, again, my dad is that guy, Mm -hmm. your souls are communicating and it's between you and this person and the universe and you or God, depending on what you subscribe to. And that's it because all the stuff that might not line up, you know, it has to be a little bit in line, right? It can't just be like all over the place. Like you've got to have stuff in common, but the, the stuff that maybe isn't quite in line can kind of be, you can really kind of love that person enough to respect it. And I've definitely been in relationships, one in particular, where I just couldn't get there because I just didn't have that kind of unconditional love right. where in something else I absolutely have. So, wink. Anyway, <laughs> so I just, I thought that was so brilliant. Like, yeah. just follow your heart. Just listen to that and just take off everything else. And I think with these friendships, it makes so much sense logically. Like, oh, I should really be with this person. And I've definitely had this situation. And it's hard because, like, I'm a really logical... Well, you know me. I don't need to tell you. I'm a really logical person. And I'm like, let me put a spreadsheet together and tell right. you exactly what <laughs> she... The pros and the, the cons, cons and which and ones Let me just wait too long <laughs> to figure it out. And, and that's what my dad said was so simple. It was like, stop, just stop. What is your heart saying? Because absolutely that love that you have for someone that you don't have for someone else that might be perfect on paper or your best friend that, gosh, you wish you could get there with. It's like that love is going to get you through the worst of times. And you're, you've been married for quite some time now and you have children. I'm like, I don't know, what is it, 12 years, 8 years, somewhere around there. She's been a long time. All my friends have been married forever, and I'm, like, not, so (laughs) I guess I had to learn some stuff. And I think that, you know, well, do you remember what your, of course you remember, but what was your biggest heartbreak, or, like, how old were you, or? Oh, which one? Like, your biggest, like, the first one that comes to mind. Um, yeah, it was, I was, like, 25. Okay, so yeah. I feel like when you do the pros and the cons and, you know, should logically, should this work or not, I feel like that's a little bit of your broken heart trying to make sure mm-hmm. that that doesn't happen again. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, like telling you like, danger, danger, warning, warning. And it can be such a fine line because on one hand, you don't want to overlook red flags right. and fall for the wrong person who's right. definitely going to do something terrible. But at the same time, you want to be so guarded that you don't open yourself up to love. And, like, that's why they say right. the bars that we put up to protect us end up being the prison that we live in kind of a thing. Absolutely. So, so I think your dad's right. I think yeah. sometimes it's about just being like, well, whatever happens, happens. And, and I think, too, you know, in our 20s, it's really difficult to feel this yet. I mean, everybody's different, but I, I think it's difficult to feel this sort of confidence and power that you start to feel in your 30s and beyond especially um and you doubt yourself and you don't listen to your gut so those red flags come up but you're like oh I'm scared well 
maybe I need to take a risk. And it's like, no, no, that was, that was your gut saying, no, no, that's not a good idea. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas yeah, like when you start getting into like your thirties and beyond, you're more like, hopefully, you know, you've been through some stuff and you've learned some stuff. (laughs) You actually start to feel like, no, my intuition is like, this is a good situation, but my trauma from behind, from beyond is, is coming up and it's freaking me out. So I also heard something great the other day too. I've probably already told you all this, but for you guys watching, um, (laughs) is that if you aren't sure of what to do in a situation, if you feel panic and you feel fear and you feel doubt and all of the confusion, that is not your higher self talking. Truth. That is your ego talking Mm -hmm. because your ego does live in a place of fear and material and just trying to keep you lower and like a lower vibration again whatever you subscribe to yeah um basically it's just trying to keep you safe which is good which is good sure but if you are coming from a place of yeah I feel fine like easy like don't have to think about it like that even if it's a difficult decision that's your higher self coming through and being like yeah it's okay I think that we tend to hear our anxious voice and our excited voice much louder Mm -hmm. than we hear our intuition. And I think what you're describing, the calm that you're feeling or hearing or whatever is your intuition guiding you. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like you said, like whatever you subscribe to. um, (laughs) Everybody's welcome. Yeah. But our anxiety is so loud and it'll be like warning, warning, danger. And so it's easy to go based on those loud messages and then our excitement is like, oh my gosh, he likes me and he's so cute, ah! you know, and so right. that's also a very loud voice. Absolutely. And so sometimes it's hard to drown out those voices and get into like your higher self, your intuition and what's best for you. And what's best for you yeah. often is like the thing that you don't always think is the right thing. You know, sometimes it tricks you or it's that's confusing. Right. And I think, I mean, I certainly struggle with that where I'm like, <laughs> but I really like this. But do I want this? Is this right for me? And it's, yeah, I mean, I certainly at this moment struggle with a lot of just trauma versus, versus, oh, this person's not a good person. It's more like, no, I'm just scared shitless. Yeah, (laughs) that's it. Totally. Um, One last last little detail on that point. But when the trauma comes up from past relationships and heartbreaks and things like that, when you've been disappointed or hurt or whatever it is, Remind yourself also that you made it through. And I don't know if this is true for everyone, but, you know, if it happens again, I feel like the sting is less every time. Oh, <laughs> Like heartbreak, so in is. my opinion, is always the worst, the first major heartbreak. Absolutely. And then after that, like, you get used to, like, breakups are hard and they suck and I'm going to cry for a while, but I'll be okay. You know, Absolutely. I think the first time it happens, it's like... You don't believe you're going to be okay. It's like your world has just crumbled. Oh, no. I did not. Mm-hmm. When I was 25, oh, my God. I was a mess. I was a mess. Like, yeah. he was a good guy, too. We were together for years. And, like, I was just brokenhearted. And yeah. I really felt like, <laughs> that's it. Why Life am I is here? Life yeah. is over. No one's ever going to love me like that. I'm never yeah. going to meet someone. Like, whatever. That's the message from the first heartbreak. But then once you go through it a few times, you're like... Okay, it sucks. It's hard. I'm very emotional. I'm very sad. It's hard to feel those emotions, but you at the same time know it's going to be okay. So it's easier to at some point trust again and go into another relationship. So, right. Such good wisdom. Such good wisdom. Okay. (laughs) Um, 
When did you start letting go of your fear of missing out? FOMO. Mm. Oh, I feel like sometimes I still have FOMO, <laughs> but I do not too. as much for sure. You know, again, well, I think I had the strongest FOMO after I had babies. So like around 30. Uh, That's a hard time yeah. too. Cause like it's the right time societal wise to have kids. But it's also like, whoa, I just started feeling like a woman and I'd like to do more things. (laughs) Well, and I definitely lived up my 20s. Like I traveled, I partied, I did all the things knowing I would probably (laughs) partied hard. (laughs) Not going to lie. I love when she tells these stories. I'm like, who are you? You are such a Because I don't seem like it. No. Yeah, I'm a rebel. Inside, inside. She's Um, that girl. So I think that was hard for me because I was the first in my friend circle to have kids and so everyone else was still able to like, let's go grab drinks, let's go here, let's go there. And I was like, I'll see you in three months, maybe, you know. So that was hard for me to kind of accept that like maybe uh, we were in different places in life and that they were still able to like have fun and do all the things and I was in a different place. But I feel like it took eh, like a few years to really kind of feel like okay with that. I think it's also helped that like some have started having kids, and so I don't feel like everyone I know is out having fun every night of the week kind of a thing. Well, especially now, no one's having any fun well, yeah. at all. COVID. <laughs> I stopped having FOMO when COVID hit. Right. No, I'm just that's, kidding. That's so I don't want to make light of COVID. But. No one's making light of COVID. <laughs> just honest. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, in this chapter, you know, I talk about her looking around, just feeling like, kind of over this. I kind of yeah. just want to go home. Like, Frasier sounds great. And there was, there were years of Frasier and Seinfeld and like Sex in the City where I was like, I'm much more Happier. into this. <laughs> yeah. Totally. I would much rather stay home for this. Um, especially working all day and then going out. I was like, That's oh, true. Mm-hmm. it's a Tuesday. Why? Why? But how old were you when you started having a shift? I honestly started feeling it around 28. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was a little younger. I think I was just really burning out and it's just everything in my world because I was in the music industry everything started at like 10 o'clock at night (laughs) I was like I can't do this every night I'm going to work (laughs) on a show every day and then I have to go out at night and then I'm out and I'm drinking and then I have to wake up the next day with like my hangover hat and like go to work oh my gosh it was a lot I was you'll you'll read it um (laughs) so yeah I just kind of started feeling well also it's like you know in the book she talks about like holding a drink looking around and just being like what is this worth like what is this getting me and that's how I was feeling too I was just like I don't know if this is really working anymore and someone a long time ago said something to me I thought was brilliant was (laughs) even in the music industry business happens on business hours and I started really taking that seriously I'm like what kind of business is going to happen at 11 o'clock at night after I just watched some bands like yeah, I'm a writer. Yeah, I'm an artist. I'm like, you know, here to like do the hang that we do. But like, honestly, if something's really going to get done, it's going to be scheduled and I'm going to show up. And so that's when I started getting like, I don't really want to go. And my friends in the industry were like, come out, come out. And I'm like, but why? Like, it's not benefiting me at this point. Right. So good boundaries. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. I was starting to find boundaries. Like little by little, I was like, I'm just going to stay on the couch. Like, I really do remember kind of the beginning of that happening and I was like all curled up on the couch just exhausted and I was like no 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 yeah done 
Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's like a physical thing or what, but I feel like your early 20s, you just have unlimited energy. Oh my God. So you're like, of course I want to work a 10 hour day and then party all night and then wake yeah. up early. It's like, it's just the energy is never ending. And then at some point it catches up to you. Oh yeah. And you're like, I can no longer, I no longer want to do that. Like there's not this adrenaline rush after no. years of doing it that you get. For that second wind or whatever. No. But speaking of the drinks at the bar in this chapter, oh. um, I felt both entertained and called out. There's a line <laughs> where it's like a mom brought her teenager to the show yeah. and she's at the bar ordering this like pink frothy drink and, you know, kind of like reliving her memories uh, from when she was younger. And I was like, oh my God, that's totally me. I <laughs> know. <laughs> totally the mom at the bar that's like, give me a Cosmo. <laughs> <laughs> just a burger drink and I drink it too. I Okay, well, I had a very special bartender friend um, at the Standard. Maybe you know him. Maybe totally you knew him. Knew him. Um, he was so gorgeous. He was my friend. And I was like, please just take me home at this point. Um, he would make me these pink frothy drinks that were delicious. I don't know what <laughs> they were, but it was like, pineapple juice and like cranberry juice and like vodka and champagne or grenadine or something All the things. so good oh my god and I was just like down these I was very drunk most of the time um and then like somewhere around 28 my body was like we don't like drinking anymore oh, at shit. all like yeah like wine everything like now I drink so little it's so sad I really miss like I don't really miss drinking but I miss the social aspect of being like let's right. share a bottle of wine together and like now I'll have like a like a four ounce pour. <laughs> That's why they made white claws. <laughs> They're like oh. just so you can pretend like you're drinking. Right. There's like almost no alcohol. There's in no there. alcohol. It's a, it's a soda kind of. It's like one calorie. So yeah, that's that's actually. They're fantastic. We are not being paid. We're by not. White Claw, by the way. But if you'd like to pay us, White Claw, we are more than happy We're to take happy their to take take your money. Anything. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, that is so true. I mean, we're those. We're those ladies. We're those women now. <laughs> we are young at heart. We are young at heart. We look good for our age. All right. If you knew how old I was, you'd be like, what? You're 52? Say just, what? Just no. I'm not that. I know the old. other line that called us out was when it said, uh, let's see, she switched to Diet Coke because she's 32 and old. I'm like, <laughs> if 32 is old, what am I? <laughs> I know, but it was true. I was like, Sugar. It's <laughs> like only diet now. Oh my god! Yeah, 32. no. It's all downhill from there. It is. Sorry, thirty-two-year-olds. Have a good time this Sorry, year. Thirty-three-plus-year-olds. Right. Thirty-three is a weird age too. Thirty-three is not like an exciting age. Neither is really thirty-two, but at least like kind of interesting. Thirty-two, thirty-three. Such a weird time in your thirties because you're still like close to your twenties, but not quite. And then at 33, you're almost, like, kind of considered mid-30s. Yeah. But you're like, how? No. Uh-uh. And then after 35, it's just, like, gone. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like 30 through 33 is, like, I still feel 20-something. Mm-hmm. And then 34 for me is when it hit. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I need Botox. <laughs> like, what just happened to my face? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, I love when you first got Botox. It was such a cute day. You were like, 
like trying to raise my eyebrows. Like I can't move it. I can't, it. Do I can't it. move it. <laughs> Look at this. Now I miss Botox so I much. I know I need it. No, you don't. We actually well, really need, don't but need I would it. Really it would be to nice. Have some. On those really tired days, I'm like, gosh, I wish I had something to like. Yeah. <laughs> Wake me but up. Yeah. So for me, 34 was when it like. All right. <laughs> well, at least it, it's, you know, kind of ended a little bit later for well, you. So uh, also going back to the first chapter. <laughs> yeah, like, we can talk about the first chapter. Let's do it. Um, I just loved the scene of her in the makeup room and the, the talent that she's working on is like checking herself out in the mirror. <laughs> and it's like, thanks. And she like doesn't even look at <laughs> the main character <laughs> who like did her makeup. Oh, thanks. Like, right. Just to herself. Just brings me back. <laughs> it's yeah, I know Ramon when he used to work. Um, yeah, it is pretty brutal. Um, how you feel invisible. So I was on a show, the one that I basically wrote this on, <laughs> and um, I really did feel actually invisible to the point where I would be. We filmed at a major studio, which I will not name, or anything about anything. Um, but there was a huge hallway where, you know, like, all the shows were, like, walking through and sets were going through. And even when there was, like, really nobody around, I would just be walking down the hallway and, like, seriously, like, a few people would, like, run into me. And it's not like they weren't looking. They really didn't see me. <laughs> and I have this theory. <laughs> I sound like such a woohoo, like a woo-woo person today. <laughs> I am, though. I'm just going to... I am. Um, I'm with her. <laughs> we've got crystals. We're ready. Um, I've got a crystal here. It's, like, everywhere. Um, but I really sort of, like, realized, because people were like, oh, my God, I didn't even see you. I'm like, I know. I felt you run into me. But it kept happening, or, like, I would be in a room, and people would be like, oh, I didn't even... I didn't know you were there. And I'm like... <laughs> Right here. For hours. Yeah. Um, and it's just, I almost feel like we can do that energetically <clears throat> where when we're not happy and when we're oh. really depressed and we're not where we, we're supposed to be, we can actually kind of become invisible. And my mom has a story when we've talked about this. Um, she worked on a show as a makeup artist and she came in the room, something to the makeup room, something happened. And then I think, I think she left and then she came back in and someone was like, oh, Gail, the funniest thing happens, blah, 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 blah. My mom's like, yeah, I saw it. And he's like, no, you didn't. You weren't here. Like he didn't <laughs> see her. And I'm like, is this like a supernatural power my family has? Do we have the gift of invisibility? <laughs> but it was so creepy because I think there is... I mean, I really Maybe. feel like there's something to it. I mean, I can see that. I can see how we can, like, shrink ourselves to not, you know, and, like, kind of not be noticed. But I have a different take on it as it pertains to, like, entertainment. Because, you know, the majority of my professional career has been in the salon. And it's a very different vibe. Working on clients behind the chair. They're Definitely. just so lovely. And they're just so happy. And they love you. And you love them. And you share about everything in each other's lives and it's just this very special connection between a hairdresser and a client. So when I segued into entertainment and working on talent, it's a very different experience. And I think that, that you touched on it in your first chapter uh, when they said something about not wanting to look too pretty. Oh my goodness. Because the yeah. egos of the talent might get ruffled. 
And I have a memory in the very beginning, like, you know, my first couple months working on set. And it was the first time I had felt confident and, like, happy. And I, you know, I was having a great day. And everybody was talking to me that day. And therefore, it's the first and only time that the talent ripped me a new one. Uh-huh. And it was one of those, I was like, whoa, like as soon as the attention and focus of limelight is not on them, yeah. they do not, not all, like it's not fair to say yes, all. Yes, let's preface that it's not all of you. There are I, some lovely people that really I have worked on. but Definitely, people that I'm <laughs> friends with, you know who you are, we're still friends, I still love you, it's okay, I'm not talking about you. Sure, <laughs> but there are some. I should say that, you know, like when you're looking good, feeling good and getting the attention, they're not about that. No. I'm like, I never had witnessed that before. So when you mentioned that in the first chapter, I'm like, that is exactly how it is. You do not want to overshadow. It's like, it's like wearing white to a wedding. Like you do not want (laughs) to, you do not want to be the prettiest one in the room. Not that I'm like the prettiest one in the room, but you know what I mean? Like you don't want to be. You don't want to shine basically. I mean. There was a time where I was extremely unhappy on a show, um, and it was kind of towards the end of sort of when I was like, I can't do makeup much longer. I just can't do this. And I was starting to think about, like, getting into something else and, like, what else could I do? And I was so miserable, and I didn't even know how bad it was, but I um, showed up to my mom's house to, like, I don't know, get something or maybe have dinner or something like that. And she looked at me, and I looked so unrecognizable. Again, like, invisible. I had, like, my hair in this awful ponytail and, like, no makeup. I looked super pale and, like, just, like, blah clothes, like, grays and whatever. I just looked so homeless, really. (laughs) I just looked really homeless. And she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. She's like, you're not okay. And she still tells me that to this day she's like I will never forget when you started to lose it like that was it because like for me it was um I had just I think put out my second record and it was a, a really shitty time I had a publisher and they weren't doing anything for me and I put out my record and I just was like what's the point of working on this show if like I'm sacrificing to work on the show and making, like, nothing. Mm-hmm. And then I'm, like, not even seeing, like, my record do well or my publisher care about me. And I was like, what am I doing? And I was just really at my lowest, and I started to crack at work. And I actually did crack at work. What did that look like? <laughs> uh, you'll read about it. Oh, oh, see? It is so juicy. You will I'm read about it. Yes. Um, it is juicy. And it was it was really good because you'd, you'd kind of... I think everybody needs to, to be able to shine and it's not in a like huge way. It's just, it, it's like important to just be authentically you. And in this industry, unfortunately, and this is not just hair and makeup, it is throughout. It's very hard to do that because a, you're working as a team. B, there isn't time and C, people are tired and just trying to get their work done. So it's like, you're not really, you're like a part of the, the, what is it? A part of the wheel, the cog, or you're, machine you're or part whatever. of the machine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you do get kind of lost, but in, in knowing that you do lose yourself and then that just wears you down and it's really difficult. And so when I finally did leave, 
I was just like, never again. Like, I can't. And I, yeah. I obviously did do some makeup for years <laughs> balancing, but that's when I started getting into producing and writing. And yeah. Thank God. Well, I feel like you're such a good example of, like, why we talk about leaning into your intuition and stepping into your full of potential and whatever that is for you. Because there are so many people out there that if they were working and paying their bills from doing makeup and had two Emmys and, you know, all the things that you've accomplished on that side of your life that would feel like they have arrived. Like, this is it. I have Emmys. I work full time in makeup, all those things. And for you, that was so the opposite. You were like, this is not where I want to be. This is not. And that's why it's so important that we listen to our intuition and go for like what we truly want Mm -hmm. because no matter how far you go in the wrong profession not that it was wrong but you know what I mean like well the wrong one for you the wrong one for you the the further you go it's never gonna feel like you've accomplished what you want to accomplish like until you are focusing on the things that make your heart sing and that you're passionate about that you care about that so even the smallest success in those are going to feel far more fulfilling Mm -hmm. than the major success you would have in something else it's so true it's so true I mean the book talks so much about this I mean it's such a good read if you are kind of at a crossroads in your life and you're not really sure whether it's your age you're at a crossroads or your career or a romantic relationship I mean it, it really does kind of cover all of it and, and it's all coming from real experience. Like, it's a semi-autobiographical book for a reason. <laughs> um, but it, it is true. It's like, you sometimes you just don't know. And in the following, the chapter three, um, I really start getting into, like, how do you know when to leave? Like, how do you know what to do? Like, when to throw the towel in, essentially? Yep. And that's a huge question. And it, like you just said, it goes back to your intuition and knowing how well you, do you trust yourself? How well do you trust your own advice and your own opinions and your gut? And mm-hmm. in your 20s, it's hard to do that. It's oh, hard to totally. do. But I think the signs are there if you're, you know, cracking up at work and, like, attacking <laughs> the talent. Like, perhaps this isn't good for you. <laughs> you know? I mean, I also had, like, a lot kind of going on because... I had gone, you know, I had trained my whole life to be on Broadway and then had a horrible Me Too situation in high school and then did not do that and essentially went into makeup instead as sort of a life raft because I was like, ah, like I finished college and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. And it was so, like, I will never forget when I was um, sworn into the union or when I joined the union. I was really, really young, and I, which, again, is, like, such an accomplishment, by the way, because there's so many people who want to be in the union. I've been aiming to get into the union for three years. Yeah, it's It's very difficult. It's going to take at least five more years. Right, it's very, very difficult. But continue. (laughs) Right, so it's, like, you know, not to take any of this for granted, but the point is basically, like, you need to be doing what you're supposed to be doing. So as I'm getting, like, sworn in, I, I, oh, I feel so bad for my younger self sometimes. Like, oh, honey, oh, honey. But I said to the to the people swearing me in, they're like, I was like, will I, will I still be able to do theater? Like, will I still be able to, to do Broadway? And they were like, oh, of course you will. Absolutely. They have tons of hair and makeup in Broadway. And I was like, ugh. <laughs> like, 
oh my God, what am I doing? It was like, it was truly like signing a deal with the devil in, in some horrible way. So it's like, if you are younger or not, <laughs> and you are struggling with where you are in life, like just, even if you don't know where you want to go with your career or your life, like if you know that you're not where you're supposed to be because you're not flourishing and you're not happy, just, oh my God, please, please just start looking into anything else. Just try stuff, you know, just try, take little classes Absolutely. Yeah. and see what sparks your interest because I knew that I wanted to go back into performing, but that also took years. That's just starting to come back. And I went into producing because I was always really good at bringing shows together and people together. But I mean, it's, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> Well, and I think that's what really, like, when you ask about when did you let go of your 20s and when did you stop having FOMO, I think that's really the big shift, at least for me, going from 20s to 30s, is in your 20s, you're really kind of listening to everyone else's opinions and, you know, especially well-meaning, you know, elders like our parents or other people in our lives that are trying to help, they are going to put the fear of God in you that if you do X, Y, and Z, you're never going to make a living or you're never going to succeed. And so, you know, I think a lot of our parents, you know, try to encourage us to do things that feel in line for them, but is not necessarily in line for us. And so, you know, in your twenties, you're still looking for approval. You're still looking for someone to say, yes, you're doing the right thing. Keep going. Or that's a great idea. I think you should go for it. And then, you know, at some point, not for everybody, but certainly for me, some point in your 30s, you're sort of like, uh, I don't really care what your opinion is. Like, <laughs> right. I mean, right. Maybe I appreciate a- that you have an opinion and I can like certainly hear your yeah. uh, talking points or whatever, but ultimately I'm going to do what I'm going to do and, um, you know, hopefully you get on board. <laughs> I think that, you know, you're getting it right in your life when you're talking to someone and they start repeating back to you your own advice. Like mm-hmm. when you're like, I think I should do this. And then they're like a little bit down the conversation, you know what you should do. And then they tell you back <laughs> what you just said. You're like, yeah, I think, I think I got it. I think I'm good. Yeah. That has been one of the most liberating things in my thirties is finally being able to just be like, yeah, I'm going to make this decision on my own. Totally. And if I ever do ask for advice or to, like, bounce something off you or, like, another friend, it's because I really care about what you have sure, to say. And I really sure. need a little, like, hmm. But typically, I mean, it's it's just so empowering. Totally. You know? Well, I think there's, like, a difference. Like, you have your close inner circle, and their opinion matters. But they also are in vibration or whatever you want to call it with you and so their opinions and their things they might show you something you didn't think of which is good to have outside perspective but they're not so far out of your vibration that they're like no I think you should be a construction worker and you know great if you're into construction but like for me that would not fit with who I am or anything right so they're enough in your close inner circle and vibration that they're going to give you really solid advice if you need advice but a lot of times we're more just bouncing things off of our friends and like as a sounding board we're verbally processing with each other we're not telling each other what to do we're saying oh okay like so here's what you're going for have you thought of x Mm -hmm. y and z and that might plant a seed of like oh that's a great idea for marketing or this or that or whatever yeah we're kind of adding to what you're already thinking we're not necessarily telling you to do something you don't want to do or something you didn't think of already right 
versus like a parental unit who's you know like don't do that or you're gonna basically live in squalor and be homeless it's like that's yeah it's a stretch right (sighs) oh man we just like figured out the mysteries to the universe answered (laughs) all the questions well, I'm super excited to listen to chapter three on the way home because, like I said, I have not gone past chapter two because I didn't want to spoil anything accidentally in this Yay. conversation. So, Aww. super excited. I'm it's, so proud of you. You thanks, did such a great job. Honey. I'm so excited for you to listen to it. I'm just glad everybody's loving it and laughing and feeling that they can relate because, man, totally. isn't that what life is? You just want to find people to relate to. <laughs> thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Remember, sharing is caring. Make sure to rate the podcast and leave a review. We really rely on this to help get the podcast out there. Also, make sure to watch the video version on YouTube and follow us on Instagram at Podcast.